Well, hello, it's Gary again, the Thinking Out Loud podcast. June 6, 2020, Saturday. I haven't recorded a podcast in a while. A lot has happened in the last week or so. Um, Several days ago, yet another American was uh, murdered by police officers. And this time it was caught on tape. Uh, The officer put put his knee on the man's that American man's neck uh, for something like nine minutes plus. At one point, the man was yelling out, a man by the name of George Floyd, that man was yelling out, I can't breathe, and ended up being his last words. After he went unconscious, the cop continued to put his knee on his neck. You know, that, that cop has gone through paramedic training uh, he knows how to give CPR. He knows how to give basic kind of aid on the scene. So he knew what he was doing. Uh, he he was attempting to, to kill that man, and he did. He succeeded in killing that American man by the name of George Floyd. Um, the video is all too common. Uh, there's been plenty of videos like it. A man, you know, usually men, and usually with a similar skin color to George Floyd, commonly referred to that skin color as black, although it's there's a wide variety of different uh, skin pigmentations and colors within just the word black. Um, but people of predominantly African Africans descent. You know, they're the descendants of the slaves that were forced to come here to America many hundreds of years ago. They are human beings, they are people, they are Americans. And for some reason there is a police state that is targeting these people, these Americans, and murdering them. And it's being caught on tape, caught on video, for all the world to see. Um, Many times it is indeed done by police officers. And that was the case with George Floyd. It was four police officers. One that did the killing. He basically, you know, put his knee on George Floyd's neck until he was unconscious and then kept his knee on George Floyd's neck for a while longer until he was dead. Then they called the paramedics. They did no CPR on the scene. Brought him to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. The three other officers that were there at the scene uh, watched as their fellow officer strangled a man to death. A man that was suspected of forgery is apparently worthy of public execution without a trial um, in modern America now. Very frightening. People trying to defend the actions of the cops will probably start bringing up George Floyd's past uh, as if it's relevant. You know, at at that time and place, the thing that he was even accused of uh, isn't so egregious. Even if he was found guilty of forgery, uh, that's not worthy of execution. We don't execute people for forgery. 
even if he did do it. But he hadn't even been charged with anything yet, let alone convicted. And even if he was, that's not a, you know, a crime that we execute people for, thankfully. You know, people make mistakes. He, he made some mistakes in his past, but he had gone in a much different direction over the recent decades. And uh, was actually a good friend of NBA player Steven Jackson. They actually knew each other growing up and known each other for many years. So he was a, you know, man who had, he was a human being. And, you know, none of us are perfect. But he was a man living his life as he has the right to do in America. And full cops just decided that they, they, they wanted to end that American man's life for no good reason, without justification, but just, and because they thought they could get away with it. You know, th thankfully, um, right away all four were at least fired, and that's good. The officer who murdered George Floyd, and it was caught on video of him murdering. There's several different videos of him committing the act of murder, of murdering George Floyd in broad daylight, right on the streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was charged with second-degree murder. Um, his accomplices in that murder, I think, were charged with something, but I forget what. Um, but at a minimum, all four did lose their jobs right away. But even with that, rightfully so, a lot of people, a lot of Americans across the country were extremely upset at seeing that video because it was kind of a not again type thing. You know, why is this a thing? Why is this happening? And then while that's going on, of course, there's still this pandemic. <laughs> you know, there's still a contagious disease that's going around. So, when the right wing uh, storms the capitals of various state capitals around the country, armed to the teeth, not wearing face masks because they're protesting the fact that there's a virus and they don't want to have to stay indoors. They, they want to go to the bars they want to go to and stuff. So they get real mad about it, and they stormed the Capitol armed with weaponry, real live ammunition and such, threatened politicians. The response from the state is to stand there and let them do it. Interesting. But other people who don't share the same political views as those armed militants that stormed the Capitol upset at the stay-at-home orders. Other people with different views, when they gather in mass, unarmed, and peacefully protest the fact that the police are murdering Americans without cause, without justification, unarmed Americans, and specifically black men, African-American men, the response from the state is militant-style aggression, escalating tensions, beating people. An 80-something-year-old man who's a peaceful protester gets pushed over by a bunch of, by a cop in Buffalo, New York, falls and hits his head, starts bleeding. Cop comes over, 
you know, human instinct, starts kneeling by the guy to try to give aid. Another cop pushes him away. No, keep going. We have orders. You know, we have the orders to disperse these people for the crime of what? <laughs> you know, of course, with when it's the people and they're taking to the streets and they're angry and they're upset and they're mad. There's going to be a fringe element of that, a very, very, very fringe element in reality, an extreme fringe. That's going to be motivated in times like that, that to cause property damage. That's, you know, what it is, property damage. And they're going to destroy, which is unacceptable. However, as bad as property damage is, you know, threatening people with real live weaponry is far more egregious, you know. But if you threaten to damage real estate holdings, um, then you're, you're going to feel the wrath, you know. Um, if you're standing outside the White House, near the White House, peacefully protesting, standing up to the this slowly encroaching fascist state that we're sort of sinking into, um, Donald Trump is going to send out a almost a secret police force to more than just shoo you away so that he can walk down the street and take a picture at a church holding a Bible. You're going to get tear gassed, rubber bullets. There's been other cities where police are, you know, beating people with batons while the people have their arms in the air, clearly unarmed. You know, some of them are in shorts and t-shirts, you know, with their hands in the air. Maybe they got a backpack on. They're getting beaten. For what? What is the crime they're committing? And, and, and if the crime is um, loitering, well, that's, that's like a, a fine. So you, you ask to see their information, you write it down, and then you, you send them a, a ticket in the mail. You, you know, yeah, that, that's not a... That's not a anything even close to worthy of extreme aggression, riot gear type stuff. What if an entire population of a city decides we're not, we're going to just take to the streets? Well, this is their city. Like, who's protecting who? If the people of, a, of cities across America want to take to the streets, well, then they want to take to the streets. Who are the police serving and protecting if they're going to start putting on their riot gear, getting out their batons and rubber bullets and tear gas, and start attacking these people? For what? Marching without a permit? Again, that's probably some kind of fine or something. That, that's not worthy of uh, violent aggression towards them. Not even close, not even kind of. Um, now, property damage, okay, find the evidence, the spe so, you know, specific people involved in, you know, burglary or whatever, or arson, well, you need to investigate those specific people 
and solve those specific crimes. Yeah. So if there's 10,000 people at a march and 200 people are causing property damage, setting fires and doing generally egregious stuff, well, you got a lot of cases that you need to start working on, okay? Each specific fire, each specific thing, that's a, that's a specific crime being committed. Yes, we have law and order in this country and all that. But the other 9,800 people who are not involved in those crimes, just because they're in the streets is not a worthy reason to cause aggression towards them, you know? Masses of people are upset at what is going on, this slow descension into fascism, and then the, a certain police state clearly and obviously revealing itself in more ways than one. The Buffalo, New York incident, where the cop pushes down the, the old man and he falls backward, hits his head in the sidewalk, instantly unconscious, starts bleeding out of the head. That cop was, I forget what, he was put on, he was suspended or something like that. A bunch of other cops that are part of that department resigned from that particular post or whatever. That reveals something, you know, that, that kind of shows something. They thought that they were in the right, that guy that pushed the old man. He was in the right what was that old man doing? If you didn't want to talk to him, well, just, sorry, sir, and you can... But that man had his hands up in the air, and he was really just engaging in conversation, trying to talk to, exercise his freedom of speech to a police officer. He was not obstructing an investigation, because there was no investigation. You know, um, when the cops appear in military style, you know, gear armed with assault rifles and stuff and rubber bullets and tear gas and all those sort of things, that's an invasion. That's an invading army. And they, they, they're not, they clearly, when they take that stance, they view all the people on the opposing side as an enemy. And that is clear and obvious, which is... At the same, it's like a dereliction of duty. Once they actually put on the riot gear and are full-on treating an entire populace as criminals, criminals worthy of beating and punishing instantly, right off the bat, simply because they are part of the resistance. They are resisting the police state. They are standing up to it. They are speaking out against it. And they are literally just standing up to it. They're standing there, together, united. That, in and of itself, is worthy of a crime now, United States of America, where the police will beat you for it, fire tear gas on you, rubber bullets as well, and you haven't even been charged with a crime yet. They're already starting to punish you. It's very scary. Um, it's, it's like 
is something going to give soon? Is there going to be some kind of movement here where it's like, okay, we need to get rid of this Trump guy because he's he's kicking it up a notch. Um, he has got a stranglehold on one of the two organizations that represent our interests in this country. And it's, you know, we're veering off fast into a faster state if we're not already there. I mean, it, when, when you see across the country, you know, unmarked police, paramilitary troops with, you know, face masks on, their eyes covered, and no insignia to know what department they're even from or anything that suddenly just appear in your city and start ordering you around. I mean, that is what it is. <laughs> That's not democracy. It's not even kinda. It's something very different. You're a part of the resistance. If your if city has a high population of people that are against Trump, and the fascist state, he's, that's probably be where he's going to send in the troops and say, these are all rioters. Everyone protesting is a rioter to Donald Trump. They are some sort of criminal. Anyone who doesn't support his agenda is an enemy. It's, uh, it's scary. It's important that as many people that can and are willing to do indeed speak out, um, reach out, you know, um, I don't know anymore. Uh, you know, I don't know if we've already slipped off into something and it's going to, it's, it's like, it's going to mean we're going to almost need some kind of underground kind of thing, something to kind of get sorted here. Cause this, you know, the, um, it, it's, it, it's slipping away. So quickly but kind of slowly at the same time because we've already sort of got accustomed to certain levels of oppression but every once in a while something happens where it's clear and obvious that it's gone too far and the the, the people you know the United States of America the people of this vast land the most diverse populace in the history of human civilization sometimes there's something that happens that just ignites forces you know, resistance to the police-style fascist state that is, and, you know, the, the one thing I think that we might be able to avoid fully delving into is, and then just this, hopefully just be some weird, strange um, outlier in the history of the United States where you just went way, kind of, veered way off, but because of a series of checks and balances that weren't completely destroyed, we were able to kind of pull it back to a far more moderate, all-inclusive, you know, democratic society. But it will just be this weird blip in history where it kind of went off the rails for a bit and almost went full bar, you know, out there where it was not even remotely a democratic society. Hopefully that's, you know, ho hopefully it's this minor blip, but it's hard to know. It's hard to be certain of anything anymore. You know, um, the, one of the two options for representation in this country, Republican Party, 
which is the organization that protects the interests of the wealthy. Their primary objectives are cutting taxes for the wealthy and cutting taxes for corporations. They are still predominantly, at least active Republicans. Retired ones are more willing to stand up to Trump, but active Republicans, Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, just Lindsey Graham, just a murderous row of just assholes and fucktards and unethical just douchebags, just Devin Nunes, you know, just awful, just, just the whole lot of them. And then you got some that are within the Republican Party that are that sort of seem almost moderate in rhetoric. And that's mostly because many of the Republicans are just awful, you know. Cut taxes for the wealthy, cut taxes for corporations. That's it. As long, and as long as they're get, getting that, they don't really care about much else. You know, the police murdering a man in broad daylight and they're getting caught on video. They're kind of, they might just kind of shrug their shoulders and be like, Ugh. and they might even defend the actions of the police, you know. And they might have no encouraging words for the rightful anger that exists in, in the country over that murder. You know, it just can be kind of apathetic. But unfortunately, that is just one, one, that is one of the two options. We get two, that, and that is it. So you get one option that's, you know, if you vote for the R guy the, or woman, usually a guy and usually an old white guy. If you vote for that one, what you're going to get, you know, the wealthy people are, are going to get more money, you know, and then the companies that they own are going to get more money too. Uh, and, and that's it. So that, that's, that's what they do. Uh, they talk about a lot of other stuff, but all that is just called rhetoric. It's just sort of things to talk about in the campaign to get people excited. Once they're in office, cut taxes for the wealthy, cut taxes for corporations, and that's it. Nothing else really matters. Anything else can fly. You know, if the president has an R next to his name and he extorts a foreign power for political favors, uh, if he creates executive orders that have, that are against the constitution, if he abuses his power and, uh, you know, disengages in things that are clearly and obviously unpresidential, the Republican party will fully allow it as long as that president has that R next to his name. And most importantly, has already, or is willing to sign into law attacks all that gives more money to the wealthy and the corporations. Donald Trump achieved the expectations of the Republican Party right away. What was the first and most important thing he did after in office? He signed a tax bill that gave wealthy people more money and corporations more money. And then right after that, Mitch McConnell said, we need to cut entitlements, you know, so what are some of the things they cut shortly after those tax cuts? Well, they cut funding to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. Yeah, kind of a 
ominous cut there, you know, because not too long after a disease, you know, a virus uh, came to America and it's actually spread around the world. Over 100,000 Americans have died since January. But uh, the Republican Party, after they nominated Donald Trump in 2016, and he won, was sworn in in January 2017, and shortly after that, uh, they were able to get a tax law approved and signed by Trump that cut taxes for the wealthy and cut taxes for corporations. And so they haven't really done a whole lot since then except... Uh, appoint and confirm conservative judges. And again, I said this one in my other podcasts, but a conservative judge is a judge that in civil cases involving an individual suing a corporation, a conservative judge, uh, all things being equal, is going to side with the corporation uh, nine times out of ten. And in, in some case, you know, many cases, ten times out of ten. Like every time. You know. So that's what a conservative judge is. A conservative judge sides more so with the interest of the wealthy and the corporate interests. That's what a conservative judge is. They'll say other things, like on the news and stuff, but that's what it really comes down to. They're going to side more with... And they're also going to side more with, uh, you know, I don't know, criminalizing cannabis and stuff like that. Um, they're going to be you know, a little more racist and stuff like that. But that's a conservative judge. Conservative, the word conservative means different things in different contexts. So whenever they talk about a conservative judge, that's actually what they mean. It's just a euphemism for a judge that will side with corporations over a human being. So, easiest example, a corporation is you know, pouring pollution, you know, toxic waste into a river. And then the river uh, gets seeps into wells, drinking water wells, and it gives people cancer that drink it. So the people in that community sue the corporation. A conservative judge is not going to side with the people. He's going to side with the corporation, and he's going to put a very low cap on how much money, if any, the corporation is liable for. You know, that would have to pay the people that got cancer and their families to survive us. Type thing. So that's what the Republican Party does, you know. And, and now it, it's kind of, it's been going for a few years and they've been just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it further and further into a sort of police state, allowing further and further corrupting of our institutions and, you know, the very principles of our society in order to enrich themselves. It's, uh, so, the, I mean, the anger that's, you know, around the country, I know it's certainly not one specific thing. It's just pure emotion and that emotion and that standing up to the state has been uh, brought with extreme aggression from the state in many cases 
There's a few examples, actually a good bunch, just reassuring of, of examples of police joining the protesters, taking a knee with the protesters. Not every city's, you know, so-called protester riot has revealed itself in the same way. And that's because America's a big place. You know, it's a big country. We're not all the same. Not every community is the same. Every community does have its kind of its own identity and stuff. So how it... So, and then every police is a little different, but there's definitely some themes across the country of over-policing, you know, a very aggressive escalating of tensions type police. And it's been going on for too long. So I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I, The obvious, you know, well, yeah, make sure to vote, register to vote. But there's got to be, I mean, there needs to be more because, you know, there, there's still a good 30% of the working class population, 30, 40% in some cases. It, it's worth tax cuts for the wealthy and tax cuts for corporations. Now, yes, many of those people work for those corporations. So they sort of have this naive hope that if that corporation has a lower tax cut, they're going to use it to give more money to their employees. <laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> you know, that's not what they do, you know. Um, and if you're one of 10,000 employees at a corporation, well, you're one of 10,000. And even if it's your a specific job, you know, you quit, it's no big deal. Doesn't matter. Just place you with somebody else. You demand more money, so you have to unionize. But that's why a lot of corporations don't want you to do that. They don't want you. They don't want power in numbers. They want to squelch any upward mobility by the regular people, the people that do all the work. They don't want that. So you know, so a lot of these corporations pay quite a bit of money to politicians and such to create laws that benefit them and uh, make it easier for them to accrue more money for themselves. Just, um, I don't know, I think our country is at a tipping point. We have to, uh, some different kind of thing has to reveal itself, some kind of new something, like new options, new, like, and I think one thing that has to be done, which it, there's a lot of uh, very conservative right-wing former Republicans who are putting a lot of anti-Trump ads on TV and such. So, although I don't agree with a lot of those politics, I think that there's something about at least acknowledging the clear and obvious lack of empathy, compassion, morality and, and ethics of any kind in Mr. Trump, regardless of what your political views are. He is a disturbed man, you know, a sociopathic, sociopathic narcissist is what Mr. Trump is. And it's scary that he has that much power. It doesn't matter what letter is next to his name. He used to have a D next to his name. He used to be a Democrat. He gave money to Hillary Clinton. Like, he, he just changed the letter next to his name. He didn't change who he was. He's the same guy he was 40 years ago. 
you know, it's just, but at least there's some Republicans that, oh, you know, I don't agree with their politics and stuff. They're at least acknowledging the clear and obvious elephant in the room. Mr. Trump has to go, you know, he cannot be reelected. So hopefully there's some kind of better option that's presented for, you know, working class conservatives as they describe themselves, quote unquote, evangelicals. There, hopefully there's going to be some kind of better option. I don't know why so many working class people who generally identify as Republican, but probably didn't like Trump all that much in 2016, didn't just go like, I don't know, constitutional party or libertarian ticket. No, neither one of those would win, but how, how do you do it? How, how do you, I just don't, I don't, it's just so crazy. I don't understand how living, breathing, real life human beings, adults, especially adults who've you know, lived through the 80s and 90s and stuff, early 2000s, could, you know, put, actually mark on an official ballot, check in, fill in the box for Donald Trump when the ballot is not, you know, dumbest reality show star or something, or you're, you know, something, or it's just it's most annoying celebrity or something like that. Yeah, I would vote for him for that. An official U.S. presidential ballot. How did how did sixty million people fill in that box? How did that actually happen? That's just what I, you know, and a huge part of that I think is the two-party system. There's a lot of people, a lot of working-class people that, for whatever reason, they just don't like the Democrats. You know, they think they're a bunch of, um, I don't know. Forget what the stupid stereotypes they always have of liberals and stuff, but they're they're just kind of ridiculous. But whatever, it's just it's not for them, you know. Because I think Democrat Party tries to be all inclusive, and a lot of people like to be more inclusive. They like to just kind of stick within their little group, people to kind of look like them, kind of act like them, kind of talk like them, and and just kind of stay within that little group. And they don't really like to venture out much, you know. They just kind of want to stay right there. You know, whatever. That's what you want to do. But that's that's the the ironic thing is that the working class, you know, I like guns and I like hunting and abortion is bad and all all that stuff. They could fit right in with the Democratic Party because Democrats are everybody. It's it's all kinds of people, vast different backgrounds, a wide array of political views. Main reason most people vote Democrat is because the only other option is Republican. Why would I vote for Republican if I'm a working class person? All they do is cut taxes for wealthy and cut taxes for corporation, then increase the size and scope of the military. Why would I vote for that? That doesn't make any sense. It's voting against my own interests. But, you know, they trick people with talking about abortion and, and gay marriage and all that other stuff and using these sort of secret code words like small government and, you know, tax reform. They're just non-specific euphemisms for something, but they never are clear on for what. What does it actually mean, tax reform? You know. So it's just, 
we, we need more. There needs to be more. We're the most diverse, racially and culturally diverse, ethnically diverse country in the history of human civilization. Everyone from everywhere is here, you know? Every, like literally, any type of ethnicity or cultural group that you can think of has someone here that's either, you know, a direct descendant or a member of that group or whatever. We're all here. It's the United States of America. It's the land of the free and home of the brave. You know, our ancestors went through a pretty arduous deal to get here. Some of our ancestors, they went through hell uh, and hundreds of years of it. Um, George Floyd's ancestors, for example, were probably predominantly slaves in this country. And that was something, a, a hell that human beings living in this country had to go through for hundreds of years. And it was, it was reinforced by the state and it was totally legal to own people as property. You know, I mean, as, as arduous as a boat ride over the Atlantic would be for those European immigrants, obviously, those, uh, those African slaves that were... It's just, you know, to live through that experience, and, and obviously people did. I, I, I can't even, the will to, to just go on anyway, to, the will to do it, the will to survive, and then knowing that you're at a disadvantage simply because of numbers, to still slowly and over time just build confidence and strength and persistence. It takes a long time before there's really much headway in that horrible, way too long hell that the United States of America actively promoted and participated in uh, it took a long time for there to be some headway and then even when it that particular th thing of slavery ended there were still hundreds of years of cruelty and just evil violence and subjugation yet despite all that still some of the most prominent figures of, in our society, most respected, are descendants of those very people. Still to this day, there's, there's just things that people with the darker skin pigmentation, whether they're, you know, with, it doesn't even matter what their specific ancestry is, just, just having a darker skin color, whether it's brown or black or other, They've had things they've had to deal with over the, over the course of life that many people of paler skin pigmentation have simply not. Like, I've been harassed a few times by a cop, but it's usually because I was being a drunken asshole and, and it was in college and such. And of course, I didn't get beaten or arrested even. 
I got a little ticket that they handed me, and I put it in my pocket, and then when I got home, I threw it away. And then I was sent a bigger ticket in the mail a little while later. You know, that's it. And one time I had some cannabis in my bag when I was trying to get into the Canadian border. A dumb thing, yes. I figured it was such a small amount and had my medical card with me, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it was a very big deal to Mr. Fascist, bald-headed cop. And, uh, you know, I had my hands in my pocket and then he pointed a gun at me. Pretty scary. You know, I've never had a gun pointed at me before, especially by a police officer. I've had them kind of having their hand on their gun like, well, I might need this any second now. This guy seems a little squirrely. You know, they just kind of make me nervous. I can only imagine what it's like when they're just fucking with you just to fuck with you, the cops, that is. When they're just pulling you over for no good reason whatsoever. You haven't even done anything wrong. And then they start escalating. They start yelling and screaming at you or whatever, trying to throw you off balance for no good reason. Then they say, step out of the car. What what, what did I do? Just step out of the car. And then they sort of drag you out of the car. They're scared and angry, too, probably. But if you say anything to them, they'll just hit you with a baton or something. And then as you're on the ground, maybe they just shoot you. Because they'll say later in their report that they thought you were reaching for a gun. Uh, It'll come out later that you were reaching for your inhaler or something. And, you know, that was it. You don't even own a gun. But it'll just be another story that kind of fades from memory or something. And time will march on. I, I don't know. It's obviously not the racial tense. I, I think it's not something that's just going to be fixed quick. But I think there could be like a big leap forward in a fairly short period of time just by the clear and obvious extreme nature of how the police state is responding to people standing up to police brutality. Their answer to police brutality is to be more brutal. Now they start brutalizing, well, old white people too even. An old white man was pushed by a cop and ended up in a hospital. I mean... Maybe that'll get white people on board. I don't know. Is that what's going to finally say, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Americans are losing their lives. Unarmed Americans are being shot and murdered or just tortured to death by police officers. Why is this happening? You know, it needs to stop. What do we have to do to make it not happen anymore you know I think protesting and kind of disrupting the system I think it's definitely a good start wake people up it also needs to be more registering to vote and then uh, because the secondary thing is kind of primary but the politicians in power they need to you know make laws that have a better screening process for what types of people become cops there's plenty of Stories about, you know, sort of, you know, Aryan Brotherhood type people, you know, um, very proud racist types 
getting into the military or to various police forces and such. That's no good. You can't have, if you want to be a fascist, you have every legal right to believe in fascism in the United States of America. However, the United States of America is a democracy. So if you are practicing fascism, well, then you're breaking the law. You can believe it's great all you want. You can march around and do your stupid shit. You have every legal right to, sp to speak your mind. It's engaging in the fascism, and that's the thing. What the police are doing to unarmed Americans is illegal. It's against the Constitution. You're beating a person. You're, you're assaulting a person that has not assaulted you, is unarmed, and is not committing a crime. It's certainly not a crime worthy of beating or assault. Those, that police officer that pushed that old man, he assaulted that man. <laughs> That police officer knows that that's an old man as you're confronting him. It's clear and obvious. You don't push an old man like that. Reach out and shake his hand. Talk to him for a minute. <laughs> if you're really in that much of a hurry, but it's, what is the reason they need to push the people back? Back from what? And again, it's like, if there's whatever crimes are being committed at these protests, those are outlier people. Investigate the crimes that have been committed. Gather up security footage. What specific people are being involved in this? What were they, you know, yes, it's more difficult that if everyone's masked and stuff, but so are bank robbers. <laughs> you know, they're usually wearing a mask when they try to rob a bank. There's still, you know, whole investigative units that, you know, investigate bank robberies and prosecute and convict the people who commit those crimes. So the people who are rioting, you know, setting fire to buildings, that's a specific crime that needs to be investigated. So everyone that's around it, and also it's like the Good Samaritan Law type thing. I mean, if you've got these militant style people on the fringes, whether it's the left or right fringe, causing property damage, how much can you do as an unarmed civilian to stop them from doing that? Uh, I mean, the main thing you can do is you can call the police. You can, hey, this guy's causing damage. Can you help us? But in many cases over the last week, the police were not in a position to do that because they were more concerned with suppressing dissent among the masses instead of solving specific crimes that were being committed. You know, instead of investigating those arsons or investigating those burglaries, the property damage, they were worried about making everyone silent, making everyone go away, beating up reporters even. Reporters saying, we're media, we're news. Please say, we don't care. And Fire rubber bullets at you anyway. What I'm hoping is this is the point where it, it, something different changes and we start moving towards something a little better. We start moving away from this Trump idiocy and kind of get back to some sort of sanity, but also like some empathy, compassion and such. 
It sure would be nice if the one other option for president in 2016 was somebody more exciting than uh, good old Joe Biden. But it is what it is. Kind of an uninspiring pick. Hopefully he gets a... I like that uh, was Stacey Abrams, the one that ran for uh, governor in uh, Alabama, I think it was. Lost because the guy, she was the incumbent, like, threw out a bunch of votes. And that guy's a real jackass. But anyway, I think, yeah, Stacey Abrams, I think. I like her. And then um, I like the Yang as well. And then Bernie, of course. I think Bernie would be better suited to either be president. If he can't be president, then a senator. I don't wouldn't really think it'd be a waste of his skill set to just be a VP. Unless, uh, you know, VPs in the future have more role in domestic policy and stuff and domestic planning and more of a, a sharing of the load of the presidency. But I don't know. It would be nice... There's some more exciting, optimistic options. Obviously, Joe Biden is, you know, a thousand times better than Trump, but he's still kind of an uninspiring pick. Um, I get it. I mean, that's that's who I'm going to vote for in the, in the fall. I mean, you know, the one other option is Trump. There are other people running, but they kind of don't count, really, at least for whatever reason. We, have as, as a Society have decided to put all those other people running for president on the ballot, but to not talk about them really like at all um, on the news. The only two parties that kind of count really and we have decided are legitimate are the Republican Party, which primarily is focused with cutting taxes for wealthy and cutting taxes for corporations. And in its current modern form, moving more towards a fascist police state uh, that caters to the whims of a dictator and focuses all its energies on protecting the aristocracy and violently oppressing any Americans who are protesting the encroaching police state. So that's the modern day Republican Party. That's one of the two options. And the other one's the Democrats. A wide mix of all kinds of different people. There's people that, there's Democrats in office that, you know, support tax cuts for the wealthy that are pretty much bought and paid for by corporations. There's others that are very much more progressive. Uh, it's a wide range of different types of people. It's basically like all the people who don't want to have to lie to voters' faces quite as badly as Republicans do. Like, Republicans have a tough game to play. They have to pretend that all the things that they're doing that they know have no benefit whatsoever to the working class, they have to pretend like they actually do and that they actually think that. They know, Mitch McConnell knows, that cutting taxes for the wealthy and cutting taxes for corporations doesn't benefit working class people at all. He knows that. But he has to say it does. And so, you know, the, the ability to be a little, quite a bit more slimy is, and spineless is far more of a primary necessary attribute in order to be a modern day Republican. Uh, 
you have to be willing to just crank it up that much more on the line, you know, uh, because that is what the, that organization does. They don't really care about anything else except benefiting the wealthy. That's what they do. Democrats, because it's such a, it's everyone else, you know, you might be easier to sort of, you can be a Democrat that supports corporate tax cuts, but then you can support these other little things that kind of like make it seem like you actually, you know, care about stuff or whatever. But it, it's kind of the, the Walmart of politics, I guess. The Democrat Party, it's just kind of, uh, you know, it's, you don't really want to shop there or don't really, but sometimes it's just the only option. You know, I mean, I'm not going to, go grocery shopping at every day at like Whole Foods or whatever. There was a number of this place in Spokane and I lived there for a while that was purely like all organic everything, you know. So it was like seven bucks for a box of cereal and shit. It's like, well, you know, if the two options are those two, well then obviously I'm gonna shop at Walmart as much as I fucking hate Walmart. But that's kind of what we got. You got sort of this very boutique style, you know, political thing. You know, it's very much a catering to the whims and desires of the aristocracy in the Republican Party. And then you got this other one that's just like a kind of a wide array of all kinds of viewpoints on a wide array of different things. A lot of conflicting interests and stuff, but it's just kind of everyone that doesn't want to so obviously and clearly be in the organization that protects the wealthy. They want to at least to put more of a perception of giving a shit about working class. Now, many within the Democrats genuinely do, but because there's enough of them that maybe do, but, and probably don't, it gives the whole organization a bad name. And so many working class people are repulsed by the Democratic Party and therefore vote Republican, even though that organization doesn't represent them either. So, but those are the two options. Will these protests stir some kind of, like what if everyone who is kind of protesting, or a good portion of them, you know, and everyone that is kind of aligned with the protests and stuff said, let's start something. Let, I mean, is, is it enough for a movement among Everyone here type thing, you know? Everyone you know, get more people. What can we get out of this, you know? Can we get something better? Can we get a more balanced society? Can we get a, a more humane method of, you know, protecting and serving the public besides the way the police is doing it currently? I don't want to see any more Americans murdered by police. George Floyd is a name now that will join many other names. The ones that always, the one that stuck out in my mind the most before, he wasn't killed by a cop, but he was killed by a guy that wanted to be a cop, but was probably too stupid to be a cop. Trayvon Martin few years, several years ago, was walking home one night. He 
some reason, the fact that he was wearing a hooded sweatshirt was like a, you know, a key thing that some people that discussed it talked about. He was walking home one night, and this kind of fat old, this fat asshole douchebag guy who was like the neighborhood watchman, and what does that mean? He just decided he wanted to be the night. Who was armed with a handgun? Trayvon Martin was not. That man with, armed with a gun confronted Trayvon. And just I, I just picture the scene. You're a teenage kid walking from home from home. Home at night. And this creepy older guy comes up and starts talking to you. He's not a cop. <laughs> he has no legal authority over you. You don't know him. Or even if you do know him, you don't know him well, and you certainly don't respect him or something or feel any obligation to. You're just going home, and all of a sudden he's just appearing out of nowhere and fucking with you. Why? <laughs> you know, why do you have to tell him where you're going? Who is he? What authority does he have? He's not a fucking cop. But just think that. You're a, a child, a teenager. Teenagers are not little babies, but they're not legal adults either. But, yeah, he knew how to get home. He knew where he was going. The guy with the gun, George Zimmerman, it's not really any of his fucking business. <laughs> you know? It, it, but he confronted him anyway, George Zimmerman did, even after he called the cop and the cop said, just leave him alone. And, you know... Some sort of conf confrontation happened, maybe some kind of fight, probably because George Newman tried to like, hey, hold on here, I need to talk to you. And but kid, Jim was probably like, no, man, don't get your hands off me. I'm going home. You know? Who are you? <laughs> Fucking creepy older guy. Ask me questions, and I'm just trying to go home. Fuck off. You know? I can just, it's like, but somehow <laughs> that fucking guy that murdered Trayvon Martin didn't even get convicted of fucking murder. Because <laughs> Florida is a state, hold your ground tight. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You can just initiate a conflict with someone, an unarmed fellow American, child at that, murder them, shoot them, and you don't even get convicted of fucking anything? Later he got convicted of some other, like, white-collar type crime. It's like, what the fuck? That was a few years ago. I, and, you know, how many similar type of things have happened since then? Too many, and they need to stop. Hopefully more people wake up. You know, obviously, African-American brothers and sisters have been woken up to this for centuries. But hopefully more white people will start waking up as well. Too many of them, too many of us, white people are stupid and ignorant and complacent. And hopefully, uh, we will honor George Floyd's memory and all the other people who have died senselessly and needlessly. And we will vote in 2020 fall, this fall, and vote a better option. So thanks you, thank you all for listening, if you're listening. 
going to sum it up there. Stay safe out there. This is Gary, Thinking Out Loud Podcast.